none therefore shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 4th, 2012. And today we're just going to be covering kind of a mixture of uh, current events, kind of breaking things, and some other things that relate also to Lent and uh, Mardi Gras, Ishtar, or Easter, and how that is determined through astrology how they're actually all pagan holidays, or determined essentially through astrology. We're going to be looking at that more toward the end. Um, Starting out with the first article here, just going to be doing a brief look at this uh, Andrew Breitbart's uh, death. And uh, this is entitled, Breitbart's footage shows Obama piling around with terrorists. The footage that Andrew Breitbart planned to release just hours after his untimely death would have proven hugely damaging to President Obama's re-election hopes, because it shows Obama fraternizing with weather underground terrorists whose goal it was to set up a communist dictatorship inside the United States. Now there's been an update to this as well, and I'll just read you that. The shocking footage obtained by Andrew Breitbart weeks before his death that threatens to derail Barack Obama's 2012 re-election campaign will be released within two weeks. Now, I understand the the elections are rigged. I've covered that many, many times. But even if they are rigged, this would not bode well for Obama if footage like this became mainstream. Because it would be harder to rig the election if there was a gigantic, huge, grassroots uh, effort. And I'm not saying there's not a lot of people that don't want Obama re-elected, but this would make it all the more harder to even pull the rigging off. Not to say it couldn't be done, but... Anyway, uh, there are, they actually are planning to release it within two weeks, this footage, according to Steve Banyan, who is a member of Breitbart's media empire. Banyan said the footage will, will be revealed in a week or two, and that Breitbart had been very systematic about going through this thing, that's a quote, uh, before his untimely death in, early, in the early hours of Thursday morning. According to former FBI agent Larry Grathwall, who was assigned to infiltrate the Weather Underground Central Committee, the organization run by Bill Ayers, carried out bombings targeting the Pentagon, the State Department, as well as police stations and federal buildings in an attempt to cause the United States government to collapse and open the door for Cuban, North Vietnamese, Chinese, and Russian troops to occupy the country. Grathwall states that Ayers, Bill Ayers, I'm sorry, and his group planned to deal with Americans who would try to resist this takeover, by establishing re-education centers in the Southwest. Asked what he would do with those who would still refuse to convert to communism, Ayers said that they would be eliminated, quote, eliminated, as in 25 million Americans would be killed in concentration camps. So this was the one of the guys that Obama, it's been proven, was palling around with before his re-election. There are numerous other people that I covered in the original teachings I did on Obama, just key in Obama in the uh, search box at contendingfortruth.com when he was coming up for election. I had a real bad feeling he was going to be the one. And I did several teachings exposing him and uh, a lot of the supposed evangelical people like Rick Warren that were you know, arm-in-arm with him during the uh, election campaign. But there, there's been... 
numerous amounts of documentation regarding that. These are actual videos, though, so it's going a little, pretty much a step further than just saying or, or having verbal confirmation that uh, he was hanging around with these people. So, you know, like I said, Obama, the whole thing with, with him being, you know, whatever you want to call him, socialist, communist, fascist, probably a combination of all three, and a Muslim to boot. So, these were the types of people that he's been hanging around with for years and years and years. And their agenda is essentially, many of them were forced conversion, you know, or you're going to be eliminated. Grathwall points out that most of the people advocating this brutality had, quote, graduate degrees from Columbia and other well-known educational centers, and relates the shock it was to listen to these people figure out the logistics for the elimination of 25 million people, and they were dead serious. Now, this is a common theme you see with a lot of the college professors. I believe they refer to them as the guys with silver ponytails, meaning they're kind of throwbacks from the 60s, I believe. They got graduate degrees. They went on. Now they're in some of the highest learning institutions. And this is why most of the time, if you send your your children off to college, all they're going to get is ruined through whatever psychobabble propaganda that's going to be shoved down their throats through their ultra-liberal professors. And, um, I mean, there's, there's not, I, I don't really know where I would refer anybody to as, as far as any kind of um, college. I mean, certainly not really any secular colleges I could possibly refer to, but uh, this is basically what ends up happening. And a lot of these same people are molding the minds of a lot of these graduates, the majority of them, and then they get out and they continue in with the same mindset, the same rationale. And a lot of it started back in the 60s. And you have the whole, Aleister Crowley, do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. Meaning if it feels good, do it. And a lot of them idolized Aleister Crowley. I mean, the most, one of the most high-level Satanists that, you know, the world's known in the last, I don't know, 150 years. He referred to himself as, you know, the beast. Uh, you know, sacrificed little boys and girls. Human sacrifice. I mean, did some of the highest-level magic. And so many of the rock groups, like the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and a lot of the 60s counterculture, embraced this guy and, and elevated him to you know, like, almost like a god. And, I mean, this is one of the most vile men that's ever walked the planet. He's on the back of the uh, Beatles album that, I think it's called the, what was it, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club or something? Or it was the White Album, I forget. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of people on the back of of that album cover, and Aleister Crowley's in the background, (laughs) okay? So, not only did the Beatles have everything to do with bringing, or a lot to do with bringing, what they call TM, or Transcendental Meditation, with, uh, you know, yogis and and opening your mind up to let the demons infest you, but they were also a big Aleister Crowley fan. And that's just one of the the rock groups that, uh, um, you know, elevated this guy to almost a godlike status. So, we're just seeing a lot of the fruit of a lot of the things that started in the 60s, we're seeing a lot of that fruit now, and a lot of it is, is in the form of these types of people. Uh, so let's go further here. Okay, so getting back to the main article, 
Although Obama links the Obama links with Bill Ayers and other radicals from the era has been well documented for years. After all, it was Ayers who helped launch Obama's political career. I mean, this guy helped launch Obama's political career, this evil communist guy. Um, for him for him to be seen on video palling around with terrorists who wanted to set up a brutal communist dictatorship in t- inside the United States would have represented a public relations nightmare going into the election. As reported earlier, Breitbart himself made a chilling and prophetic statement when referring to the footage during an event in Washington, D.C. three weeks ago when he told Lawrence Sinclair, quote, wait till you see what happens on March 1st. In other words, I believe that's when he was planning on releasing this video footage of Obama and Bill Ayers and other communists palling around. Well, coincidentally enough, he died on March 1st. That's the exact date that Breitbart died. Probably specifically to make an example out of him because he had made that specific threat for that specific date. So the Illuminati basically turns around and says, well, we'll see who gets the last laugh here. We'll see who really has the power. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. I mean, you know, call me crazy, but Breitbart had been teasing the release of the footage during speeches throughout last month. Notably at CPAC, where he told the audience, quote, I've got videos, this election we're going to vet him, meaning vet, properly vet uh, Obama. Uh, And then adding that the video shows Obama meeting a bunch of silver ponytails, quote, silver ponytails, including Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. Given the fact that his death occurred just hours before the planned release of the Obama footage, the claim that Breitbart could have been the victim of a political assassination has dominated political discussion forums over the last 24 hours. Uh, Radio talk show host Michael Savage added fuel to fuel to the fire during his broadcast yesterday when he floated the idea that the Obama administration could be behind Breitbart's death. I'm really surprised because he's pretty mainstream. And uh, But I listened to the 15-minute clip where he got into that. Now, I'm not <laughs> recommending Michael Savage, okay? Talk about somebody that has a very high opinion of themselves. Oh, boy, he's a legend in his own mind. Anyway, uh, I've only listened to him on you know, limited numbers of occasions, but wow, he's got a big ego. Anyway, uh, yeah, but he said some things on there that I was pretty surprised he would go there, but he did. Uh, Here's a quote from it. Uh, Michael Savage, quote, given that we know what we have in the White House, meaning Satan, I mean Obama, then he goes on to say, and I I added the Satan part in, okay, Uh, he says, are we allowed to ask the question, should we be? Should there be an investigation? Asked Savage, adding that he had met privately with Breitbart twice and urged him to get security guards and not quote walk around alone at night on the street. Well, see, Breitbart's been evidently really going after Obama for a long time, and Michael Savage told him, "You better get some bodyguards. You better not be walking around the streets alone at night because of the danger he was putting himself in." Uh, so public by by so publicly attacking Obama, so it's kind of been an ongoing thing. And then Savage says, "Do you think it's possible that he was executed, assassinated by some nefarious forces in America? Have we now become South America in the 1970s, where people start to disappear?" Oh yeah, we're definitely there. Uh, and that was that was the end of the quote from Savage. And he was speculating that Breitbart could have been serendipitously. Uh, injected with a substance that triggered a heart attack or an electronic uh, device beamed at his chest. Uh, the one Here's another comment. 
Uh, and they say, quote, I do not believe Breitbart died of natural causes at all. He, ju- he just collapsed, with a question mark. With all of the information he had, on the exact day he said he was going to release it, and then they go on to say, yeah, right, the same way that everyone around Hillary Clinton just died by coincidence. Now, that's a whole other subject, and there's a link here you can go to check uh, the Clinton body count. There's a whole website devoted to just documenting all the people around Hillary, I mean Hillary, and Bill Clinton that have died mysteriously. You know, it's just big coincidence, I'm sure. And then they go on to say, Breitbart no doubt had been murdered. He had videos of Obama from his college days. He knew too much. He was a, quote, threat to these murderers. And there, there's some links here at the end of this. Uh, Andrew Breitbart's family think he, thinks, I guess they, they think he died of a heart attack. Um, and then, but maybe this weapon brought on the heart attack. Now, I'm just going to play this clip because the thing is, is, is it's good to know that there, there is this technology that it does exist. Because this is a big, this is one of the main ways they kill people, is through stealth technology that no one knows about or nobody in their wildest mind would conceive they might have. So again, it's a device of Satan that most of the people aren't even aware exists. So I'm going to go ahead and play this clip here. And it's about two minutes. CIA whistleblower. Then I went to uh, technical services. So this is a CIA whistleblower talks about a heart attack uh, gun that they use essentially to induce heart attacks. So this is her voice. Where I was in charge of finding documents that were that you don't find in libraries, like uh, like where you where you put explosives on a bridge. Where's the best place to put an explosive on a bridge? And, and what kind of explosive do you have to get that goes underwater without you know destroying its effectiveness? Uh, also, I had to find one time they wanted me to find um, to find out if there was such a thing as. Um, as a poison that was undetectable, especially one that seemed to uh, mimic a heart attack, that would kill someone, but it would it appear that they had a heart attack. I did find such a thing. Does this pistol uh, fire the dart? Yes, it does, Mr. Chairman. This is some kind of con- congressional meeting. They've actually got one of these guns they're holding up. I'm assuming congressmen or senators or somebody. They're holding it up and they're asking, there's some board of inquiry. And they're asking about this actual gun. And a special one was developed which potentially would be able to uh, enter the target without perception. The, the poison was frozen into some sort of dart. And then it was shot at uh, very high speed into the person. So at, when it reached the person, it would melt inside them. And the only thing would be like one little tiny red dot on their body, which is hard to detect. There wouldn't be a needle left or anything like that in the person. But also the toxin itself would not appear in the autopsy? Yes, so that uh, there was no, no way of perceiving that the, uh, the target was hit. I think the first time that I seriously questioned anything... So the gun could be fired, and it, it's a frozen... It's the poison frozen, and it, it goes at such a high velocity, enters the body, it's a very tiny but it doesn't take a lot of this stuff to kill you, enters the body, melts as soon as it gets into the body, poison's released, heart attack happens, and there's n- and it's not something that they can readily check for, evidently. It's probably a poison that dissipates. 
There's not some big gigantic entrance wound like a gunshot would give. And problem solved for the Illuminati. It was more than, I just couldn't take it anymore. Was when I came across this document, it was, it was, it was eyes only. And it was to my boss. But he only had one hand and a hook in the other hand, so I always opened all of his mail, his packages and so forth. And this one, he wasn't in the office. I opened it and I read it. It said eyes only. I wanted to read it because I wasn't supposed to probably. And it was a, a report about a mission where they had blown up a bridge in Asia somewhere and uh, they had killed a number of women and children who were on their way to market in that, that morning. It was re- reported as though they were really proud, mission accomplished. That one bothered me a lot. When my boss came in, I gave him his mail and I mentioned this and I said, this is wrong. These women hadn't done anything. These children didn't deserve to die. Why did we do that? And he said, it's, uh, that's the fortunes of war. And I said, but we're not at war. We're certainly not at war in that country. Why did we do that? I don't understand it. And he said, well, you're very young. When you get older, you'll understand those things. So that was just one lady in, in reference to that. Uh, probably if I did a lot of digging, we could do a whole study on that particular subject alone. It's just good to know that these types of things do uh, exist. Uh, there's another link here. It's entitled 25 People Who Think President Obama Killed Andrew Breitbart. And then the whole video or the whole audio link to where Michael Savage, it's about 15 minutes, where Michael Savage is talking about him being actually assassinated. Now, last thing, I'm just going to play this clip from Breitbart himself. And this is probably what got him assassinated, talking this way, and then also the fact that he's they're going to release the, the video. And here's, here's Andrew Breitbart, uh, obviously, before he died, talking at CPAC. And so what do we get now in Barack Obama? Well, I've got videos, by the way. This election, we're going to vet him. I've got videos. This election, we're going to vet him. From his college days to show you. Why? To show you why racial division and class warfare are central to what hope and change was sold in 2008. The videos are going to come out. The narrative is going to come out that Barack Obama met a bunch of silver ponytails back in the 1980s, like Bill and Bernadine Dorn, who, equally radical, said one day we're going to have the presidency, and the rest of us slept while they plotted, and they plotted, and they plotted, and they oversaw hundreds of millions of dollars in the Annenberg Challenge, and they had real money from real capitalists who gave it on to their children and their children's children, and then they become communists. we got to work on that. we got to work on that. That's a parenthesis. Barack Obama is a radical. We should not be afraid to say that. Okay? And Barack Obama was launched from Bill and Bernadine's Salon. I've been there. It became a self-evident truth to me that there's zero chance that this incredible chef did not cook many a meal for Barack Obama. 
Don't tell me ABC, CBS, and NBC I don't have the, uh, uh, that I can't posit that theory. Because it's a... Evidently, Bill Ayers is a really good chef, too. Communistic chef. Self-evident truth. Just like it was a self-evident truth that he was with Jeremiah Wright, and just as it's a self-evident truth that when he was at Harvard, he was advocating for the worst of the worst to join the faculty. Radicals. Radicals at Beirut on the Charles. And, and that is who's in the White House, and that's who's outside right now, telling you you don't have a right to be here, and who would squelch your free speech just as easily they do at Harvard, Vassar, Yale, Wesleyan. They're a bunch of totalitarian freaks. Okay, and again, he's pointing out these colleges in specific. I mean, some of the most supposedly prestigious, Harvard, Yale. I mean, you know, Yale, Stolen Bones. and Anyway, um, you know, some of the most supposedly prestigious, but yet demon-filled habitations for these professors that go and are just bent on just brainwashing the students. And he's just really pointing that out. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm like, I've, the the biggest thing is, is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, as a, as a born again, Bible believing Christian, okay, that, that's the overriding issue, okay, he's coming at it obviously from a purely political perspective, but what he is saying for the most part, there's a lot of truth in what he is saying though, and we'll just finish out the clip here. Okay, that, I'm sorry, that was all. Um, he was just getting a standing ovation there. So anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm, I didn't want to like you know make a whole study out of it, but uh, just to be aware that this type of technology exists and that it's getting to the point where you might be seeing this a lot more of this, uh, these assassinations, these mysterious deaths, these... Um, you know, I think the ultimate way for them is to actually set someone up where, you know, you're you're found, you know, like strung out in some hotel room with like a dead hooker next to you or something and, and heroin needles laying around. You know, that's obviously if they can do that to somebody, then they can discredit them to the maximum. And you're probably going to end up seeing more and more of this. There's a whole list now up on the internet, like 50 people, Barack Obama, the top 10, the top 50 people that Barack Obama would like to kill type of deal. Uh, and obviously I'm, you know, I'm pretty outspoken about this probably more than any, any of the 50. Uh, but obviously I don't have a platform like they do, but nonetheless, you know, bear that in mind. If, you know, if all of a sudden, you see some just think totally out of character regarding myself or or any other real ministry. Just just please, and then, again, that's why I kind of put this out there, not just so that we can gossip about some news, but to see this device of Satan and to also realize that this is something that we should be praying uh, regarding this subject and praying against this wickedness. That you know the voice of truth 
you know, is, is not stopped. And, and ultimately, I understand that the, the uh, Antichrist, the false prophet, are going to arise, and they're going to have a one-world religion, a one-world government, a one-world political system, and these types of things. But we are supposed to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And uh, I plan on doing that until, you know, God takes me out of here. And so if you see something like, all of a sudden, totally out of character, or something, mysterious death of, you know, me or anyone else, you know, just bear that in mind, that there's a very, you know, uh, strong likelihood that the powers of darkness, I really believe, are coming out, and they're going to be doing more and more of this. Now, a guy like Andrew Breitbart doesn't have any protection really from the Lord Jesus Christ. as you know, He's not a born-again Christian, as far as I know. He, he didn't take any stance for that. So, uh, he doesn't really, he can't really appropriate that, unless God just chose to intervene, you know, on his behalf, despite himself. So, he doesn't have that advantage that I truly believe born-again Christians do have, if they believe if they have the faith to believe that. Now, if they don't have the faith to believe that God can protect them, well, then they're not going to have protection, I don't believe. I'm not saying God can't protect you, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you you really need to have the faith behind that to believe that no matter what might be outside your front door, uh, you could have a nuclear warhead pointed at you, you could have tanks, missiles, an army... <laughs> God can still protect you. The Lord Jesus Christ can still protect you. And no matter what. I, I don't really care what, what might be out there. Um, I mean, not saying I don't care, but I, he's bigger than all of that. He created the universe. So, you know, call upon me and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's what God says. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Both of those quotes are from Isaiah. Isaiah 32 and 33, I believe. So no, there's nothing too hard for God, period. Put on the full arm of God every day, you know, and remember, the Bible says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, remember what I said about faith, wherewith you, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Well, fiery darts are an attack, right? Yeah. And then we have an offensive weapon too, it's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's an offensive weapon. And it is a weapon. But you have to believe that it's an actual weapon toward the powers of darkness. The Bible says, It's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. But you have to believe that. And if you don't, then you need to ask for that faith to believe that. Because it's really super important going into the dark times we're moving into to have, you know, a lot of faith. Ask God to increase your faith. And the Bible even says to do that. If any man lacketh, you know, wisdom, these types of things, faith, understanding. Ask, ask the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ for these things. Okay, next article. Uh, switching gears here. It says, this is entitled, They Hate Christianity, But Love Another Jesus. How conservative Christians are being manipulated and ridiculed, especially during the election years. And this is from uh, Lighthouse Trails. And uh, I added a lot of Bible verses in. Usually what happens is when I get into these types of things, I have Bible verses just start popping into my head, and I'll, I'll generally add them in to try to scripturally uh, bolster 
whatever current event we're talking about. So, in this particular thing, it starts out by saying, in January, a young man named Jefferson Bethke, who attends a contemplative advocate in Mark Driscoll's church, Mars Hill. Okay, the, Mar, so he this guy goes to a contemplative emerging type of Christianity church where they're letting the New Age and you know seep into the church. A huge thing. Okay, Lighthouse Trails Research is probably one of the best sites up there that kind of gets into that specific subject. Well, this guy named Jefferson Bethke, he attends this uh, church, Mars Hill, it's this Mark Driscoll's church, in Washington State. He posted a video on YouTube called, Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. Now, I heard an interview the other day regarding this, and I think it was the guy, this guy they were interviewing on a actually local station here. And, uh, you know, during the interview, there was just a lot of red flags in my own mind coming up. And after I read this, I really, it really hit home what, what's the actual agenda here. Now, I, I just thought, just as a side note here, this guy named Mark Driscoll, he has a church, and it's called Mars Hill. I'm like, Mars Hill? I'm like, well, like the God of War, Mars? Because that's what, like, the planet Mars, the God of War, the red planet, okay? It's, it's, a, it's a God they worshipped, okay? Why would you call your church Mars Hill? Okay, where is it mentioned in the Bible? Well, let's go to Acts 17, verse 16. Now, these Bible verses are all here in the PDF for this teaching. Acts 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So, the whole city of Athens was totally given over to idolatry. And Paul sitting here awaiting, okay, and then if we jump to verse 21, it says, for for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent time, uh, let me see here, in nothing else but to tell or to hear something, or to hear some new thing. It's like, ever learning but never able, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, where the Bible talks about that. They heap to themselves, having teachers, having itching ears. They go from one to the other to the other to the other. It really reminds me of, of, of the Christian, like Sky Angel and Christian TV, you know, where you've got one either televangelist or some guy that's just money hungry coming at it from a different angle after another. You know, send your seed promise in and we'll send you this, you know, leprechaun handkerchief and you can lay it on you and you'll get healed or whatever, or some other scam they're running for the week. And, or whatever. There's so many flavors of that stuff. I haven't watched that in years, so I really don't even, I'm not even up on a lot of the stuff that's probably currently going on. But it reminds me of that. They spend their time in nothing else but to tell or to hear something new. That's why I just point people to the King James Bible, typically. I I don't try to say, oh yeah, you need to go to this ministry, and you need to go to that ministry. And, you know, like I said, if, if what... If you're listening to me and I'm taking away time from you and the Lord and the Word of God, then don't listen to me either. I'm not telling you to do that either. I don't want to be responsible standing before God and, and, and having 
you know, say, no, no, you need to follow me. I'm not going to do that. There is no way. I'm trying to point you in the right direction. That's my big thing. I'm trying to put you in the right direction. But it just kind of reminded me of that. Then it goes on and says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, which is probably like pagan central. Now the whole city had been given over to idolatry. And it said all the Athenians and strangers spent their time in nothing else but to tell or to hear some new thing. It's just garbage, you know? And Paul probably went to ground zero then and stood in the midst of Mars Hill. And this devil names his church Mars Hill? <laughs> it's like these churches I see, uh, Mount Hermon Baptist. Where, oh, you mean where the fallen angels fell? Yeah, that's the same, same mount. Okay. That's a good good thing to name your church, Mount Hermon. I, I think that's good too. Anyway, um, Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that all that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And then, that, then he goes into saying, This is the God, this is the true God of the universe. You know. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I, I, I love the fact that he, he has a church named Mars Hill. I mean, he's, he's really labeling himself here. Anyway, going back to the main article, it says, Within hours, the video had over 100,000 hits. This video this guy put up, this, you know, I hate religion, but I love Jesus video. Soon it reached over 14 million hits, according to the Washington Post, one of the major media, one of the major media outlets that has spotlighted the Beth Key video. Uh, the actual hits have now reached over 17.5 million, but that was as of January 30th of this year, so it's, who knows what it is now. The Bethke video is a poem he wrote, and he recites in a rap-like fashion. It's a nice touch. Get kind of you know, get the rap in there, and his thoughts and beliefs about the pitfalls of what he calls quote religion, and what he believes true Christianity to be. While we are not saying at this time that Bethke is an emerging figure, when and again emerging contemplative, you know, new agey type of move when they say emerging that's what they're meaning and while some of the lyrics in the poem are true statements it is interesting that the emerging spirituality figures seem to be resonating with Beth Key's message in other words these people that are already emerging uh, apostate her- heretical devils are saying they're getting on this bandwagon they're saying oh yeah this is great uh, I've had uh, I think some people email me this and that's why I wanted to look into this uh, going further, it says they are looking for anything that will give them ammunition against traditional biblical Christianity. See, they're wanting to tear down fundamental traditional biblical Christianity, basically the Word of God. They're wanting to tear that down. So these people in the emerging movement are going, and particularly the the, the supposed pastors or whatever are going to use things like this in order to accomplish that goal. They have found some of Beth Key's, uh, they have found some in Beth Key's poem, meaning ammunition, to tear down biblical Christianity. Like so many in the emerging camp, say Beth Key's poem, suggests that Christians don't need, uh, Beth Key's poem suggests that Christians don't take care of the poor and needy. While many of the believers in Christ have been caring for the needy for centuries, emerging figures use this ploy to win conservative Christians over guilt, through guilt, over to liberal social justice gospels. 
The emerging church journalist Jim Wallace, the founder of Sojourners, is one who picked up on Bethke's video writing, quote, Bethke's work challenges his listeners to second-guess their preconceived notions about what it means to be a Christian. He challenges us to turn away from the superficial trappings of religion and instead lead a missional life in Christ. What Wallace is talking about, though, when he says preconceived notions, is Christianity according to the Bible. So you have to, you have to read between the lines. You have to actually... It's like they speak kind of in this cryptic code. And it sounds maybe right on the surface, but if you actually see what they're actually saying, if you read their books and these types of things, you'll realize that in this case where he says uh, Bethke's work challenges his listeners to second-guess their preconceived notions about what it means to be a Christian, preconceived notions means in this term, from this person, Christianity according to the Bible. Uh, emerging figures accept some of it, but find to accept all of it too restricting, meaning the Bible. Many of them call themselves red-letter Christians, supposing to mean that they adhere to all red letters that Jesus said, but they have actually chosen which letter, which red letters they adhere to. They don't accept them all. For instance, they dismiss the red letters that refer to there being a hell for those who reject Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior. So they don't believe in a literal hell at all. So, they're very, very selective red-letter Christians, is what they should call themselves. When Wallace says missional, okay, like this, uh, the Christians need to have this missional life for Christ, this doesn't mean traditional missionary efforts to evangelize the world. At all, okay? It means to realize that all of humanity is already saved, and is being saved, along with all of creation. And that, mean, and that means of salvation didn't take place in a one-time event at the cross through Jesus Christ, but it is an ongoing procedure that occurs as people begin to realize they are all connected to one another and can bring about a utopian society through this interconnectedness. It's the essence of the coming one world religion, in other words. Such emerging buzzwords like missional fool a lot of people, though. So they're, they're, they're doing this, they're using all these nice frilly buzzwords, and they're trying to guilt trip, particularly people that will call themselves Christians, and, and trying to you know, get them to come to their side of, and their way of thinking. Incidentally, if you never read an article we posted, this is Lighthouse Trails, in the summer of 2010 regarding Jim Wallace and Sojourners, we highly recommend it. But be warned, you may find it quite disturbing when you read what the agenda behind the scenes really is. And he gives you the link here to that. Um, and it's entitled Sojourner's Founder Jim Wallace, a Revolutionary Anti-Christian Gospel. And uh, will Christian leaders stand with Wallace? And going further, it says, The rally call to throw out Christianity but keep Jesus isn't a new one. We've heard it many times before from varying emerging, emerging contemplative, contemplatives. Futurist Erwin McManus once said in an interview, quote, listen to this quote, my goal is to destroy Christianity as a world religion and to be a recatalyst for the movement of Jesus Christ. So he's going to destroy Christianity, but he's going to be a recatalyst for, for the movement of Jesus Christ. That makes a lot of sense. Some people are upset with me because it sounds like I'm anti-Christian. I think they might be right. End of quote. These are the type of devils that are in this movement that are infiltrating the 501c3 corporate church 
in America and abroad. Going further, and of course there's Dan Kimball's book that's entitled They Like Jesus But Not the Church. In a book review of Kimball's, uh, of this book, Lighthouse Trail stated that the book should be really be called They Like Another Jesus But Not the Church. Or the Bible, or morality, or truth. <laughs> That's what they really should have, have renamed it. See, it's all based on the heart. It's all based on there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, that's it's that's what that's what they do. It's it's all about you know going with your heart. You know, wow, it sounds right. If it, it doesn't really matter if you think it sounds right or feels right to you. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, throw it out. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. So when you get um, yoked up with one of these emerging figures, or let's say a lukewarm pastor or whoever, and you put yourself under their authority, you start reading their books, start going to their church, don't expect it not to affect you spiritually. Don't expect to not become more and more brainwashed by the day. Of whom a man is, well it says, the Bible says, while they promise them liberty, while they, these false wolves in sheep's clothing, essentially, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you let them overcome you, they will bring you into bondage, and you will become blinded to this. And the scary part about it is God's the one that's letting all this happen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I mean, if you're going around in, in embracing this kind of garbage and setting yourself under these people, you know, you're having pleasure in unrighteousness. You're not receiving the love of the truth. You're believing and receiving a lie. You're in a very precarious position. You need to get out of that garbage before it's too late. Before your conscience becomes seared as like a hot iron. With a hot iron. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. 1 Timothy 4.1 That's not where you want to be. No, you want to be sober, vigilant, on guard, a soldier for Christ, not, not some lukewarm, nilly-willy, just tossed about with every wind of doctrine. And there are so many winds of doctrine, and, and so much of it's pointing back to the Catholic Church now. Every week, it's like, I, I find like some other ministry that I'm seeing where they're not so subtly pointing people back to the Catholic Church. Maybe they'll say, oh, we're, we're not really, we're not Catholics. I heard that one this week with Tom Horn and um, Steve Quayle, Tom Horn, and then the, the other two, Shannon, Sharon Gilbert and her husband. We're not Catholics. But we believe that there, there are believers in, in the Catholic Church. And, and just like there's believers in the Protestant Church. 
Oh, really? Hmm. How is that possible? How, how, why on God's green earth would they stay in a satanic death cult like the Catholic Church, probably one of the most blasphemous evil institutions the world has ever known, with their pedophile priesthood, the, the blood of millions upon millions upon millions of martyrs on their hand, with a guy leading the church that calls himself the vicar of Christ, meaning the substitute for Christ on this earth, which believes all these pagan evil doctrines and practices paganism and essentially white witchcraft in the church, the habitation of, of millions of devils, Oh, but we, we, we're gonna stay in the church, and we, yes, we're born again Christians. How do you do, how do you, how do, I don't see how I can reconcile that. I mean, they believe in a gospel of works. Well, we can believe both. We can believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and still stay in the Catholic Church, and still practice the seven, the, uh, the the seven sacraments, and believe that we're saved, and, and still go to Mass. And, and, and do all this stuff and practice all this pagan you know, and pray to our idols and pray to Mary and have all of our little statues up and we're still born against it. Why aren't these people telling, like some of the ones I just mentioned, why aren't they warning people in the Catholic Church to get out, to come out from among her and be not partakers of her place? If they really are saved, why aren't they wanting to come out anyway? What, isn't there, if the Holy Spirit really lives inside you, you're just not going to stay in paganism. You're not going to be staying in some religious system that's taking you to hell and all the people around you to hell. Why aren't they fleeing from it? Why are they being unequally yoked together with unbelievers? Because if you're in the Catholic Church, you are unequally yoked together with unbelievers. They do not believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe in another gospel that's taking them to hell. It's a gospel of works. For by grace are you saved, and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not saved through works. Your work, your best work in God's eyes, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, is a filthy rag. You have to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. He will share his glory with no one. I, I don't understand why all these ministries I'm seeing now, all of a sudden, are taking such an unbelievable, lukewarm stance on the Catholic Church. And acting as though they're Christians just like us. And there, yeah, there's some saved in the Protestant church, and there's some unsaved. And just like the Catholic church, there's some saved and there's some unsaved. Why aren't they exposing the absolute, total, abject evil of those institutions? Whether it's the 501c3 corporate Protestant church, or the Catholic church. It's like they're going around acting like everything's okay. It's alright, we're all, we're all, we're all one big happy family. No, we're not. We're not. I love them enough to tell them the truth. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16? Most of the time, yes. You try, to, you try to tell this stuff to a Catholic, you will see the fangs come out real quick. You'll see those demons in them rise up. I've seen it. Why aren't they coming out? Why, why aren't they begging them to come out? Why aren't they exposing the church? Oh, no, no. Let's just talk about the third secret of Fatima and, and how we have to know all these Jesuit prophecies now. And, oh, it's just so important let us Christians know about this stuff. 
I mean, we, I mean, our whole life depends on it, basically. Who's the next pope going to be? Oh, Petrus Romanus. Oh, it's the last pope. Okay, maybe that's the truth. I don't know. But why am I going to immerse myself in all of these Jesuit prophecies as though my life depends on it? They're Jesuits. They're the most wicked, evil faction of the Catholic Church you can possibly have. I read you the oaths they take. The Bible says to swear not. You, there ain't, I mean, it's, it's worse than a Freemason's oath. It's disgusting. It, I mean, it's blasphemous. And yet, the Jesuits seem to be the one, particularly Tom Horn, seems to be focusing on. It's all the Jesuits and all, like Malachi Martin and all these other wonderful Jesuits from times past that have evidently preserved the purity of the Catholic doctrine. It was never pure. It was corrupt from its beginning. It was a habitation of devils from, from its very inception. Its only goal through Satan was to damn people to hell for eternity and then to get them thrown into the lake of fire. That's the only purpose of the Catholic Church. But yet, no, no, no. Let's not talk about any of that. Let's not expose it. <laughs> I'm not letting up on this. I mean, they're, they're going to, you know... It's disgusting. And I see it more and more every week. I can't even keep up with it anymore. All the rank apostasy and all of the flagrant Pointing now back to the Catholic Church and just, you know, we, yeah, we're not Catholics, but, you know, we, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna cause division. We're not gonna say anything against them. They're, they're, most, there's many Christians too in, the, in their ranks and we just need to kind of work together to bring about this change. And yeah, the, the Catholic Church has been infiltrated recently, really since Vatican II. It's really been since Vatican II. No, no. It's been since its wicked inception. In 318 A.D., when Constantine started that abomination, it's never been nothing but evil. It's just unbelievable. I, it's almost like I look at this and it's like, wow, are these people all either closet Catholics or Jesuits? I'm really starting to wonder. I mean, some of them just have gotten so flagrant, you know, like Tom Horn and these types. Uh, that I'm really starting to wonder. I, I can't do anything but wonder for, for all of the reasons I've covered and so many teachings I've done on this subject. I mean, I'm not getting into all the specifics. I've already done those teachings. And it's almost like, are their handlers telling them, okay, listen, you've been posing as a Christian for a long time. We're getting ready, ready to release our agenda. For real. We want to get the rest of the remnant of any other Christians out there deceived and deluded. We know that you guys have a nice following. A following that think that you're really Christians. Now we want you to finally, the gloves to come off, and we want it to be not so subtle where you're actually really giving credence to, yeah, Catholicism. There, there, there's, there's, there's real, it's just been infiltrated. There's real believers in there. It's all good, you know. Don't, don't, don't mention anything negative about the Catholic Church other than how it's been infiltrated by the terrible Masonic, Freemasonic infiltrators like it wasn't already infiltrated from its inception. Uh, I tell you, it's every week it's getting worse. Every week. So, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, 
I'm I mean, it's an ongoing thing. I'll be covered. I'm not going to really be getting into that. Well, we're, we'll kind of be getting into that a little time this week, actually, with some of the stuff we're going to be talking about with Lent and uh, Ishtar. But let's go further here. Oh, boy, I really got off track here. Okay, so this guy was saying, you know, this missional doesn't mean traditional missionary efforts. It means that all humanity is actually saved. And that we all have this interconnectedness to one another could bring about this utopian society through this interconnectedness. I mean, this is the backbone of the coming age of Aquarius. The coming new world order. The coming one world religion under Antichrist and the false prophet. Such emerging buzzwords like missional fool a lot of people, though, when they say missional, you know. Incidentally, if you never read, okay, no, we already, we already read that. So, going further then, the next quote here, and of course there's, uh, there is the book, book by Dan Kimball, they like Jesus, but not the church, and Kimball interviews several young people in this book. One is a lesbian, who tell him, quote, they like and respect Jesus, but they don't want anything to do with the church or with those Christians who take the Bible literally. Fine. We shouldn't have anything to do with them. I'm not saying you don't reach out, okay, but we're not supposed to be yoked up. The Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. If you're going around trying to be a man pleaser, you're basically an abomination in the sight of God. Going further, it says that Kimball says that these are, quote, exciting times we live in when Jesus is becoming more and more respected in our culture by non-church-going people. He says we should, quote, be out listening to what non-Christians, especially those in their late teens and 30s, are saying and thinking about the church and Christianity. Why? So they can give us our input on what the church should be like? I don't need their input. The Bible is clear. The Bible is the standard, not some opinion from somebody that's going to hell. I understand. They might say, well, the church is full of hypocrites and this and that. Well, okay. Hard to argue with. The 501c3 modern corporate church. True. And in that regard, a lot of times you could agree with them, which probably would be a good way to have them lower their defenses to a certain extent. Because a lot of times people say, if you say you're a Christian or whatever, they think, oh, automatically, hypocrite, in the 501c3, corporate church. you know. And again, I'm not condemning every single pastor that is 501c3 corporate. A lot of them honestly don't know this, and a lot of them, you know, but the majority is what I'm saying. And they do need to get out of that system, because it is the system that will be assimilated into the coming one world religion. You're already yoked up with the Internal Revenue Service. You're already yoked up with the government. They gave you your right to exist through your corporate charter. The pastor is designated as the CEO, and the board of directors are the deacons. That's how they designate it. You're already a corporate entity that was created through the government. It will be assimilated. You'll either have to get off the sinking ship or go down with the sinking ship. But you better get off now while there might still be a lifeboat left for you. There's no Bible for it either. You see, you, did you see Jesus Christ telling everybody, oh, yes, get your corporate charter, get your 501c3 status so that you can, you know, it's unbelievable. 
Anyway, according to Kimball, it is vitally important that we as Christians be accepted by non-Christians. And not thought of as abnormal or strange. Oh, yeah. Well, th- thanks for, the, for that. Uh, then he goes on to say, but in order to do that, he says, we must change the way we live and behave. In other words, we need to capitulate. We need to cave in. We need to be lo- good little lukewarm uh, minions that will just say and do whatever the world wants us to say and do. You know, like so many of these churches do. I see the stuff that goes on in a lot of these churches. It is just incomprehensible. The blasphemous, irreverent, evil behavior that goes on in so many of these churches. It's just, it's like a nightclub in there in a lot of these churches. Well, hey, that gets the people in. They make a lot of money that way. Yeah. (sighs) Kimball insists that, quote, those who are rejecting faith in Jesus do so because of their views of Christians and the church. So, let me give you some Bible verses that would kind of counteract, not kind of, but totally counteract what was just stated. Okay. Galatians 1.10 says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if yet I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So, if that's your motivation to please men, you're not the servant of Christ. Your life as a Christian is not a popularity contest. Jesus Christ wasn't real popular when basically everybody had rejected him and he went to the cross and died. You know, he was rejected of all men, as the Bible says. So he wasn't seeking to please men. He was seeking to please God. Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but they're saying, no, no, be conformed to the world so that, so that you can, you know, uh, win these unsaved people over to your way of thinking and then you can all be big, one big unsaved happy family on their way to hell. That's what they'll tell you to do. They'll tell you to be a man pleaser. But the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So don't, don't expect to know the will of God if you're being conformed to the world, in other words. You want to know the will of God, don't be conformed to the world. I mean, that, there's other things, obviously, as well, but Matthew 10, 14, uh, this is Jesus Christ talking, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house, shake off the dust of your feet. So, you come to them with the true gospel, and they don't want to hear you. You're not just supposed to capitulate and cave in and say, oh, well, whatever you want to hear, I'll tell you. Shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And then skipping ahead to verse 21, And the brother shall deliver a brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake? Oh, why aren't they preaching about that? Why aren't these contemplative emerging? Well, no, we, we don't want to... Uh, I thought they were red-letter Christians. This is... Jesus Christ said this. Well, we don't... We choose not to believe that. Yeah, well, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, I mean, they're, they're reading some... I'm sure some New Age Bible version. They're not reading the King James. And, and you know... That's what the Bible says. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So, let's go further. But he 
makes it clear throughout the book that these distorted views are not the fault of the unbeliever. Oh no, never. But are the fault of Christians. But not all Christians. Just those terrible fundamentalist ones who take the Bible literally. So see, we're the ones to blame. Why is it it seems like that True Bible-believing Christianity is really the only religion on planet Earth that Satan seems to really care about attacking anymore. Well, because that's where the true battle is. We are the actual emissaries and ambassadors for Christ on this Earth, and we are, in, in essence, by virtue of that, enemies of, the, of Satan and his minions and his kingdom that he's trying to bring about. He's not concerned with Hinduism or Buddhism or or. Catholicism or lukewarm Protestant Christianity. He's already got them. It seems to be kind of funny that they only really, really seem to be focusing on the people that take the Bible literally and believe things like that homosexuality is a sin and think that certain things are wrong and harmful to society and actually speak up about these things. This is just lukewarm vomit to me. The people, I mean, people read this garbage and, you know, again, People running to and fro and in, in, in seeking teachers, heaping in themselves teachers, having itching ears and, and just blown about with every wind of doctrine. Perhaps what is most damaging about Dan Kimball's book is his black and white either or reasoning, the very thing he accuses Christians of. He makes it very clear that you cannot be a Christian who takes the Bible literally. I mean, who are you going to believe, the word of God or this devil? So, according to good old Dan, who has evidently has his own religious system, because think about it, he's saying something that's very dogmatic. He's saying something that, you know, defines what a Christian really is. And he says, you cannot be a Christian and take the Bible literally. You cannot be a Christian who takes the Bible literally and also be a humble loving, thoughtful person. Oh, never. Never. You can't be both. They are two different things, according to Kimball. There is no such thing as a loving, humble Christian who takes the Bible literally. Whoa, wow, the world according to to Devil Dan Kimball. I think the Bible would uh, beg to differ with you. And And I'll choose the word of God over you, Dan. His book further alienates believers in the world that is already hostile to to those who say Jesus is the only way to salvation. The Bible should be taken literally. Homosexuality is a sin. We are called out of this world to live righteously by the grace of God. We hope you can take the time to read our review of Kimball's book to better understand this. Uh, And there's a link here for that. Brian McLaren, the emerging church's early pioneer, resonates with these ill feelings toward the Christian faith when he stated, quote, I must add, though, that I don't believe making disciples must equal making adherence to the Christian religion. Uh, okay, Brian, well, what does that mean, then? What does making a disciple for Christ mean? Hmm. Jesus Christ said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, the world loves to quote the last part. Oh, the truth shall make you free. No, if you continue in my... It's conditional. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's kind of a a 
on the checklist for being a Christian. I'm not saying we're, we're safe through works. I'm saying that that's something that you, you want to see from a born-again Christian, continuing in the Word of God. And that's why it's very important. What Word of God are you reading? Are you reading a corrupted version that came from the Catholic Church? I, I've gotten into that many times. Just key in KJV in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. Are you reading that corrupted version? which is basically all the other Bible verses, uh, versions other than the King James in the, in the English-speaking language at this point. And I don't mean New King James either. That one's corrupted as well. But he's saying that McLaren says, I don't believe making disciples must equal making adherence to the Christian religion. It may be advisable in many, uh, not all circumstances, to help people become followers of Jesus and remain within their Buddhist, Hindu, or Jewish context. Now, this is exactly what I just told you that I heard during these interviews regarding with Tom Horn and these other people that I mentioned. No, 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 you remain a Catholic. You're still, you're, you're good, you're going to heaven, you're born again, you're a good born again Catholic. It's the exact same thing we're seeing here. It may be advisable in many circumstances to help people become followers of Jesus and remain within their Buddhist, Hindu, or Jewish context. No, that's impossible. You cannot bow the knee to God and the knee to Baal. You have to choose whom you're going to serve this day. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord, as Joshua said. There's, there, there, there's none of this garbage where I'm going to hedge my bets. You know, I'm going to be I'm going to be a Hindu or, or a Buddhist or whatever, and I'll be a follower of Jesus too. I'll, I'll add him in, into my pantheon of of gods that I worship. This is how a lot of these people view this stuff. They're hedging their bets. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ said in John fourteen six, Jesus saith unto them again, red letter Christian. Why, why would they call themselves red letter Christians? Boy, they're going to have to really cut out most of the things Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the only way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Why aren't they quoting that verse? That seems pretty dogmatic, exclusive. You know, Jesus Christ said, here's some more things that Jesus Christ said. Matthew 7, 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go thereat. Catholicism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism. Many there be that go thereat. It's not Bible-believing Christianity. It's the broad way. Why are these people encouraging people to stay on the broad way? To stay in a devil death cult? I don't understand that. Why aren't they warning them? Huh. I don't know. Do the math. I think that whatever is coming in the future, whatever line, signs and line wonders and miracles, like what's going to, how the Bible says that the false prophet and the antichrist are going to deceive the whole world, and then you combine that with the shock and awe and the whole, um, you know, order out of chaos, Hegelian dialectic that's coming. Whatever it is is going to be very, very powerful and potentially convincing and deceiving. And it's almost like, I feel like some of these, a lot of these ministries are at this point just really starting to kind of like get their listeners prepared 
you know, for whatever's coming. And I don't mean this in a good way. I'm really seeing this alarming trend toward not so subtly pointing everyone that call themselves Christian to the Catholic Church. And including where you have a discussion, you say, well, there's born-again Christians in the, in the Catholic Church. How confusing is that for your listeners? Well, th- there is. That, that means that I can... I mean, they start doing the math in their head. It's like the wheels start turning. Well, then that means that I could, evidently, I could be a born-again Christian and be in the Catholic Church. Now, imagine when all the line signs and wonders and all that other stuff starts. I mean, they already got all the garbage with the Marian apparitions and all this other stuff. The Bible says, Jesus Christ said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. What about when all the signs start coming? Well, that's going to hook a lot of people in. Tons and tons and tons. And then they've already heard in the back of their mind, wow, they're born again Catholics. And look at this. This guy looks just like Jesus Christ coming back. Sananda Manuel, Master Jesus, the Ascended Master version. Hmm. Can you imagine how many people are going to fall for this? I don't exactly know 100% how it's going to play out. I, I did a teaching last week again on the uh, whole master, Ascended Master garbage in Maitreya. But boy, oh boy, I really see this just being totally set up for this mass delusion and, and this mass end up pointing toward essentially the one world religion. Guard your heart. Quit you like men. Be ye strong. Quit means behave. And I don't mean like women need to behave like men, but I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is serious stuff. This is heaven or hell issues here. And I'm trying to warn... I've been seeing this stuff coming for a long time, but now it's coming more and more into focus. It's becoming more and more flagrant. Things are happening within ministries now that I'm seeing that I'm like, wow, I really can't believe they're saying this. I am... But then again, think about it. I mean, it had to happen. The Bible said it was going to happen. Jesus Christ, I mean, said in his word there was going to be strong delusion that God's going to send And it's at the exact same time as the falling away and when the wicked or the Antichrist is going to be revealed. Just read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's all coming together. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, wolves in sheep's clothing, hirelings that have no true love for the sheep, whereas the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. If Satan can appear as an angel of light, it's no marvel that his ministers, Satan's ministers, can appear as ministers of righteousness. I'm not making a blanket condemnation of everyone. I'm just saying that they there's uh, some a lot of ministries right now sending some really really bad mixed signals that they either need to come out and just flat out say that you know they think there's no difference between Catholicism and Protestantism, which is basically they're almost saying that anyway, or just admit they're Catholics or repent and stop it. And apologize. They're the ones that has to stand before God. I'm just I'm here warning. I mean this it's it's getting so flagrant that uh, it's boggling my mind when I'm seeing. 
So let's go back to these Bible verses. Uh, again, just going back. Uh, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Why do you want to send mixed signals to people when few there be that find it? God is not the author of confusion. Beware of false prophets. Now, it says that right after it warns about the broad way that leads to destruction. Well, why would it say that? Because this is one of the primary ways where people are going to go down the broad way, which leadeth to hell and then the lake of fire. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. You better, you better become a fruit inspector if you haven't done so already. We're supposed to judge righteous judgment. Jesus Christ said that. No, no, judge not lest ye be judged. No, that's hypocritical judgment. Read the context of the verse. It's when you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. Even it says there, take the beam out of your own eye so you can judge the speck in your brothers. Not to say we're supposed to go around being, you know, trying to nitpick everybody. But Jesus Christ said, judge righteous judgment. He also said, if we would ju- the word says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We're supposed to judge ourselves as well. To see if we, we are in the faith, even, regarding that. So, let's go further here. Oh, boy, I'm going to have to... Actually, you know what? I'm going to have to end. I, I was hoping to get through this part, but I'm going to end part one here, and we'll go to part two next. So, God bless you. We'll see you in part two. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N. D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.